Hello and welcome to Starside Chat, another episode of Starside Chat. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me as always is Zach. How's it going, Zach? Good. I've been playing some stuff I also I'm excited have. to talk about. Yes. And uh, yeah, we got some some new game releases to also talk about and some interesting news, I think. Probably the hottest news of the week, I would say, is the first thing we have on our list. Uh, there's going to be some Elden Ring DLC. They gave it a name. It's called Shadow of the Erd Tree. It's currently in development. Yeah, so they they didn't show anything about it. There's just like, uh, I think you can actually download a wallpaper for it <laughs> on like their website. But basically it just says, yep, we have DLC. Here's a title. It's in development. So it's probably not going to drop for a while, de- I would think. I feel like there was old Elden Ring news about how there was going to be a DLC about a Colosseum. Am I misremembering that? Oh, yeah. There was like a multiplayer DLC. I think maybe that already dropped. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think either of us were super interested in it. I think we were more interested yeah, in it. Yeah, because it, it was more built around like the PvP stuff right. you can do. This is going to be, I believe, single player, though. And they, they haven't yeah, given any, any is, details about it, right? Right. This is more of a story-driven DLC. So that's exciting. Do you think you'll hop back in? I guess. I mean, it depends on when it comes out and how much it costs, I would think. But I, it's tough thinking about getting back into that game. Mm. It's like one of those games you have to kind of ramp up to get into. Yeah. Or at least I did. uh, Because I'm I'm not like typically a like Soulsborne type of player, but... Uh, I did play all the way through it, and I did really like it, so we'll see. <laughs> this week, we got a bunch of previews for games. We, this isn't on our show notes. We don't have to talk about this because it was not super interesting, but there were, I saw like two long gameplay uh, walkthroughs of Dead Island 2 were released. And it, oh, I didn't see that. It seems fine. It's nothing special, I don't think. But more importantly, yeah. <laughs> I think what all... Uh, news sites are talking about what all gaming outlets are talking about is the final fantasy 16 previews that people got to have yeah there were a bunch of these so like pretty much every outlet put out like five videos going over the different um previews they got of this game and it does seem cool it's interesting to me that uh, like obviously final fantasy has been sort of steering away from turn-based combat for Mm. a long time and this is definitely more action focus but it was interesting that like the combat director for the game is i don't know how you say his name ryota suzuki a former capcom developer who worked on uh devil may cry 4 and 5 so people were sort of drawing comparisons uh to the combat for those games it's very stylish action i have to say yeah it definitely looks uh interesting and there is uh instead of I feel like, you know, you could summon the different, uh, what are they called? I'm I'm a bad Final Fantasy. Yeah, the summons. (laughs) Um, You can summon the summons and uh, they uh, will do attacks for you. But now you actually sort of play as them. It's like you sort of have a summon within you. It's interesting. So they're called icons in this new one. And you can, I guess, like take their powers. So in the, the... In a lot of the trailers, so there's like four segments that gaming outlets were given access to. You're going through a castle, you see a lady on the top of a castle, you fight her in like human form, more stuff happens, eventually you fight her as you're a human and she is like her icon basically. 
And then you become the icon of Ifrit, and then you're fighting icon to icon. And Yeah, which I, I'm not super familiar with the Bayonetta games, but I feel like isn't that a thing you do in Bayonetta where you play as like a giant creature? Only in the you last like, one. Uh, well, oh, okay. I guess it may have happened a little bit in two, but the last one that was like a main, and I have not played that game yet. It's on my to-do list, but... In Bayonetta 3, the, the new cool mechanic was, yeah, it's very, very similar. You would, all of your weapons are made out of your hair and like all of your clothes are made out of your hair. So like you have this witch hair that becomes a giant thing and then that giant thing can fight another giant thing and you're just like dancing in the background because you have to dance for it to happen. Very good game, it seems <laughs> like. But I don't know, what do you think about this? Uh I I have been on record as saying I'm not super into the setting of this. I, this and uh, Forspoken are both just like I don't know generic fantasy worlds that I I for some reason can't get down with right now. But what what how did you come away from these uh, previews? I agree with you on Forspoken fe- looking to be like very very generic, but I am into this and I trust it a little bit more just yeah. because it is Final Fantasy. That's a good point. So. I am into it. I do think the the combat looks cool and I am excited to actually play it. I think I will pick this up and play it and I'm hoping that the story is very cool. Something I liked about this is there's not like traditional difficulty settings as far as like easy, hard, normal. They've incorporated this system uh, that involves rings. So you can put oh, on yeah. a certain ring and that like super delays parrying or like you put on another ring and it will automatically pop potions for you when your health is low and you have potions. So, like, the way there, it's like a, an accessibility thing where it doesn't just give you more health and enemies less health. It, like, changes the way the game is played almost based on these, like, accessories that you put on. So, it's like an in-game uh, difficulty setting, which I think is actually pretty cool and kind of uh, what was probably the most interesting thing to me that I saw. Yeah, I thought that was a very cool idea to sort of like have your difficulty be tied to like the number of rings you choose to use. Yeah. And so you can kind of uh, like if maybe you're struggling at some point, you just like use a a ring that will help you, like you said, sort of give you a a bigger window for like parries and stuff like that. I, I really like that as an idea as well. So uh, I think it's very cool. And I'm excited to see more of it. I, when is this coming out again? Soon, I think. I think the summertime. So Yeah, sometime over the summer. Not to be too down on this game, because I think there are some cool things about it. But another thing, I think I was watching the Easy Allies like talk back about this, because they also got uh, some time with it. And they were basically, the guy asked the like person giving him the demo, or like maybe the, the head of the... the the game or whatever. I don't remember who's, uh, maybe it's the, this, uh, Capcom developer guy, but he was like, he, he phrased it as like, how silly is this game or something like that? Um, like, you know, final fantasy seven, you would have these like zany quests where like, uh, cloud would get into these weird situations and it would be funny. And even like final fantasy nine, uh, which is the only other final fantasy I've played. You got into, you got up to some funny stuff where like, uh, one of the characters like ate a bunch of like very smelly onions or something or pickles and there was like comedy about that but according to this developer he was like well this is a more serious game you can't really go in like stories of revenge you can't really like 
have this big revenge thing and then go off and like fish for a while. Um, which gay, the easy allies guys were like, I don't know if this is what I'm looking for. <laughs> Cause like part of final fantasy, I feel like is the like mini game stuff, like dri- like that final fantasy where you were driving around with your bros in a car and like setting up camp and cooking food. I'm worried the tone of this one is just going to be so dour and serious is going to be, maybe we'll turn people off. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I don't, I can't speak for, like, longtime Final Fantasy fans, but if there's not fishing in this game, I will not miss it (laughs) even a little bit. (laughs) So I'm not not opposed to there not being, like, a fishing minigame, which is not particularly my favorite thing, even though it's in a lot of games in particular. It is in a crazy amount of games. It was in the uh, Sonic game that just came out. Yeah, I I will not miss it if, if fishing is not there, but, like, to your point, like having sort of goofy side quests every now and then is like a nice change of pace. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know if there will be that or not, but like we also played Elden Ring and God of War, which I feel like were pretty serious games. And I was, yeah. I didn't at any point feel like, man, I could really use a, a jokey side quest to like <laughs> lighten the mood a little bit here. So I don't know. It, It'll depend on how it's done. I'm not like that hasn't turned me off of wanting to play the Mm -hmm. game, like the absence of like humorous side quests. Um, I do want to play that uh, like a dragon Asian game, which I feel like they really nail it with that kind of thing where they're able to like pull off like, you know, a serious tone when they need to. But they also have like really absurd, like humorous stuff that's happening like all the time. And Maybe I think uh, if they were to do a game that was like all serious and had no jokey stuff, I feel like they would really take a hit for Mm. doing it that way. But I don't know if necessarily Final Fantasy is that way, but I also don't have a ton of experience with it outside of like Final Fantasy seven. Yeah, I I have only ever played seven and nine. I believe nine is the one I played where you're like the guy with the tail. Um, But I, I did not really engage with any of the other ones, so... I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm interested to watch more of it. I also, I, is this like a Final Fantasy VII remake where you're going to, I assume you're going to build your party. This, all the uh, previews were only playing as Clive, the main character. But I assume yeah. it's going to be like Final Fantasy VII remake where you get to swap between your characters in real time, I would think, unless it's not that way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the, I don't remember whether the previews covered any of that or whether it was just like here's what the combat looks like which i I feel like that was maybe the case but another interesting thing about this before we move on is it seems like the main pillars of gameplay are going to be well not pillars of gameplay but um every icon battle is going to be this like bespoke interesting new thing so like the one they previewed for the press what the inspiration was okay this is like a wrestling match between two giant things they mentioned another one that seemed like it was going to be like a an on rails like panzer dragoon orta style uh thing so there's going to be a bunch i don't remember the number but i think they said there's like between like 11 and 15 of these icon fights and each of them is this like interesting unique experience and like you're going from one to the next another thing is this game is not open world, I think they said. There's a hub town that you go back to, 
but uh, you're you're not like there's not going to be a world map basically where you're you know you get to travel around from place to place. I think there's a hub world and you go out from that hub world and you come back to that hub world and you're like building that up or like a hub town perhaps or maybe a castle. What was Final Fantasy VII remake? I feel like that was the same case. I feel like that was strictly linear though. I don't even know that there was a hub world. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I mean, you, I think it was more linear that way, but yeah. I guess you you had little hub areas where you could go around and do like side stuff. That's but. true. I guess you would go to a zone basically, and then you would chill out in that zone for a while, and then you would move on to a different zone. So yeah, I don't know. Like as we talked about last week, uh, like I'm pretty open to games that are like hub based, where you ha- you have like a hub area mm. where you do like crew conversations basically and then you like go to a zone i mean yeah mass effect did it the best yeah i mean mass effect is like the biggest example of like that structure for a game for sure and so yeah i'm definitely not opposed to that being the case as opposed to like an open world uh obviously god of war did the same thing yeah where it was very much based on like zones that you would explore and collect stuff and do side quests but so yeah Let's talk about Outer Worlds. Yeah, so this uh, caught my attention and was a little bit of a surprise because I kind of, I, I mean, they probably had announced this and I just didn't notice it until now. But like they're doing a what appears to be almost a full remaster of the game for next gen consoles that's coming out on March 7th. So like soon, I think by the time this podcast goes up, it'll be like very, very soon. Yeah. Um, and this is a game that I very much enjoyed, but also have like consistently thought of returning to uh, now and then because I never played the DLC. And this uh, is basically like back in the old days of the 360 era where they would uh, always come out with like Fallout Game of the Year edition that would be a little bit uh, maybe not enhanced, but it would be uh, it would basically contain all the DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like they're doing that, but they have uh, gone back through and it's like they've improved the visuals quite a bit. And they've uh, obviously updated things so that it can run in 4K, 60 frames a second, all of that. And they've improved the lighting and particle system and all of that. So they've actually gone back and done a lot of work on this, but they, they it's going to include all the DLC as well. And I believe also if you own this on like PS4, it's like a $10 upgrade. Um, So a nice little value add if this is a game that you even already own and liked it and wanted to get an upgrade. So you could revisit it on uh, next-gen consoles. Um, This is coming out and I I might revisit it. (laughs) I mean, there's a a lot going on right now in terms of games. So like revisiting a game from a few years ago is a tough ask, but I loved this game and would not be opposed to starting a new playthrough uh, on console even. But Do you have any uh, nostalgia for the original Beyond Good and Evil game? I never played it. Nor did I. Apparently it's well-liked. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 has been in development for a long time. Yeah. They had like a weird... So it's Ubisoft, right? It is, yeah. They had a weird thing at an Ubisoft E3 event, man, like five years ago or something. I want maybe maybe less time than that, but like 
Just, I think it was 2017, I feel like. Joseph Gordon-Levitt came out on stage and he was like, hey, I'm like going to help them help you make music for this. Like everyone should send yeah. in tracks or something. It seemed like a very uh, ambitious scale for this game. Like I saw demos oh, yeah. where like they were flying around in a spaceship and they got like super close to a huge statue and you could like get out of your spaceship and stuff. But uh it seems like yeah. it's embattled. I I have like very distinct memories of seeing this game like at multiple E3 shows back in like around 2017, mm-hmm. so like years ago now. And then it just kind of like it fell off the face of the earth, completely disappeared and they haven't talked about it since. And I've I'm maybe some of it is because we have like a new console generation now, so yeah. maybe that like sent them uh reeling a little bit and they had to do a lot more updating for it, but like they have evidently, I think, I might be thinking of the wrong person, but I think the creator of this, the guy that, like, was on stage to introduce this, like, back in 2017 when he, they first revealed it, and he had, like, sort of a, a teary-eyed, like, oh, thank you for letting me show my game. <laughs> I'm glad you're excited about it. That guy, I'm pretty sure, is no longer even with the company. Wow. Like, he's not even in gaming anymore. Not um, great. And... Yeah, they've just had, like, some problems with, like, a toxic work culture and stuff like that. There's been all of this stuff that has come out about it. And so the most recent setback is that their managing director has left the studio. (laughs) And, like, they have these sort of ongoing uh, labor issues. So... I don't know. This game is one of those that may never come out. It's basically this game and the pirate one. What is that? Uh, Oh, uh, Skull and Bones. Yes. These two games, I feel like, were announced roughly at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they are both just like these really long running uh, issues with their development. And they both have like an insane amount of like sunk cost. So it's an interesting situation where you're like, are they going to cancel this at some point or will this eventually one day come out? And I mean, Dead Island 2, I guess, is another example of. Yeah, I never would have pegged that to ever come out, but I guess it is. Yeah. So I I mean, I don't know a lot about game development, but I've been watching that Psych Odyssey. Oh, yeah. (laughs) uh, Documentary, which is very good, by the way. But uh, it's very interesting to see, like, behind the curtain Mm. as, like, the studio is working on developing a game and sort of the challenges they run into. And, um, yeah, I don't don't know what to make of this, whether this game will ever come out. But like like you said, it seemed very interesting, just, like, the scope and scale of what they were trying to do. Like, you could fly around on that big thing and then you could, like, land down the city and, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was, like, getting people to make, like, art and music and all this stuff to, like, populate the universe. And yeah. it seemed very interesting to me, even though I had not played the first game. But now I have no idea what to make of this. So. <laughs> but, yeah, it, this was news that came out this last week, and I thought it was interesting because it it is a game that, it, like, basically every year before E3, I'm like, are we going to hear about this game? Because, like, it's been years, and for whatever reason, I still have such distinct memories of, like, seeing this game revealed. You know what I'm, I'm just realizing? Like a little is bit curious. Skull and Bones and this are both Ubisoft things. Yeah, yeah, so 
that's two of them that they just have this really long, rough development cycle. And you wonder if they will ever come out. Here's something else is like, are who, how old are people who played the original Beyond Good and Evil now? Like, who is this for? I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, they're gonna do it true. so much. It, we're all gonna be dead. They're gonna delay it so much. Yeah. Everyone who played the original <laughs> is not gonna be playing games anymore. It's true. That is a risky run by like going back to a game that old and trying to revive it with a, a sequel like so many years later and then to on top of it have this like extremely delayed thing i don't even know there's like no hype for it anymore i would assume i mean they could always like come out maybe at e3 this year they're like here's a big reveal like check this out and then maybe they regain some that would be cool about it but like I also, like you're saying, I wonder, like, is anybody like Beyond Good and Evil 2? Does that mean I have to have played the first thing? Because yeah. I've never heard of this before. And it looks really weird. Like, wh- what am I to make of this? But <laughs> who knows? Some DLC news, Zach. Yeah, so Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which was one of my favorite games from last year, got its first little season pass DLC drop. Um, the only problem... <laughs> Is that if you are one of the people who bought the gold edition of this game that came with the season pass, you might not be able to play it. <laughs> Why? So I I did try to jump into this last night, actually. And it, you go to like where the DLC is and you try to activate it, but it is grayed out and has a little lock icon on it. And I double-checked... Uh, like the eShop and all of this to make sure that I have it like added to my account and that it's downloaded and all that. I'm like, yep, I'm good to go, but you can't access it. And I, so I do some digging and a lot of other people are also experiencing this problem. And Ubisoft is looking into it and trying to figure out what the problem is. And I like even joined, like I I was searching on Twitter and I I joined the Ubisoft like support discord to (laughs) sort of follow the situation Mm -hmm. and figure out what was going on. And uh, they have not uh, discovered how to fix the problem just yet, it seems. (laughs) So if you were like super into this and you bought this game and the season pass specifically so that you could play all of this stuff, like you're sort of their number one fan and <laughs> you were the one that's being punished <laughs> by not being able to play this stuff. But it, uh, it seems cool. I have been listening to the soundtrack a lot, which by the way is great. Yes. And I would definitely uh, pick that up on vinyl if they ever do like a vinyl soundtrack for this game. And that like, as I've been listening to it, it's been making me like, I should jump back in <laughs> or like at least I'm anticipating the DLC drop. So I was like super stoked to play this and then obviously can't do it. So, so it's like a tower <laughs> very thing disappointing. where you're going up the tower and it gets progressively hard. It's like run based is what it seems like to me. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to, to see how everything works. Like, from run to run and like what kind of unlocks you get Mm. and things like that. Um, And yeah, so disappointing that it's not working, but I I do have enough other things to play right now that it's not like a huge deal. Speaking of which 
Uh, so I haven't, we'll talk about this in a little bit. I've still been playing Metroid Prime Remastered, but they announced this week that Metroid Fusion is coming to Nintendo Online. Yeah, so basically we're getting to a point where almost all the Metroid games are playable on the Switch. Yeah. And that's very cool. So you're, this is one of those, that I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they had like a little slideshow type of a thing at the end of Metroid Dread or like Metroid Fusion, go play this. And I was like, how am I supposed to do that? But now <laughs> you can because it's on Nintendo Online. It and looks interesting. I, I think, I mean, yeah. I don't have the expansion pass, so I can't play Game Boy Advanced games, but I it's I'm making me want to grab that because it looks good. It does look very good. I was very impressed by this because I don't know about you, but like the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance and like sort of that era for like portable Nintendo stuff was just like completely lost on me. Yeah, like I, that was an era where I was like, I just want to play stuff on TV, on home consoles. So like, I don't really care about mobile stuff. But uh, this one I, I feel like is generally well liked and it does look very good. It's interesting. I don't really understand what the story of it is. It seems like maybe you're not playing as Samus based on this trailer, but I don't really know. Um, it seems like maybe there's an evil or dark Samus and you're like maybe going up against them, perhaps. I don't know, because you're weird colors in this trailer, but the other one well, is that, regular colors. Yeah, that I thought it was like this is like her base like suit, but it, kind of the way it was with uh, Metroid Dread. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't and know. yeah, there's a, a part in the trailer where like you go somewhere and then you see like the Samus suit walking past like on a level beneath you, and I don't know if you're like stealthing to avoid them or you just happen to see them. And I'm so yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. A very cool thing that I'm realizing is a uh, there's a part of uh, Hollow Knight that is a reference to this that is very cool. Oh really? Yeah, there's a part where you're like walking around in deep nest a very scary place and uh like below you like another you walks by and then you follow it and some stuff happens but uh interesting it is i i guess i would assume it is a reference to metroid fusion yeah so this is like i don't generally feel like i would play much of like game boy game boy color game boy advance games on switch online but Mm -hmm. this is one that i would probably go play because uh, it's very cool. Also, we can talk about it more later, but I have started uh, Metroid uh, Prime Remastered. Oh, good. We will talk about it towards the yeah. end of the show. Because I was going to say, I know that's one that you've been playing and you've wanted to talk about on the podcast, but I've, you've been maybe waiting for me to start it so that we can have an actual conversation about it. But Speaking of first-person games, Zach, I know you played the Dead Space remake, which everyone loves, and they've released a mod for it that makes it first-person. Yeah, I don't know if I need this in first person, <laughs> to be honest. It I looks think it's intense. Cool. Yeah. I, if you watch, it's cool also because uh, like a cool thing about the Dead Space universe is all of the menuing and stuff is in universe. Right. So like being in first person means you have to like kind of figure that out. And so like in the, in the article I linked to, there's like some gameplay footage of it. And like you'll have like a little screen that pops up just to your, like in your periphery where you can like watch the audio log or whatever, but it looks intense. I have to say like uh, it almost, I would be interested to see if this ever gets ported to VR. Cause I'm sure it'd be super frightening oh, yeah. in VR. Oh yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. This is like, I feel like resident evil games have been doing this where they're like, 
here is a game and now here's the vr version now here's the first person mode version and here's the like they just keep sort of revisiting it and like adding a new thing to it um so interesting that they're sort of doing that through uh mods but yeah i my question is how do you tell how much health you have great question because that that's on your back Here's something else also. I guess I, a correction. This isn't a mod for the newest one that just came out. It's the mod for the one that came out in 2008. So oh, Okay, so this is a mod for the original release. For the original, the yeah. So gotcha. it doesn't have some of the enhancements, and obviously they changed some of the gameplay stuff for the modern one. But uh, it still looks really cool. If you're looking for a scary time and you own the original Dead Space, uh, check this out. Yeah, the obvious next step would be to take this and uh, put it in VR. Yeah, for sure. Now, Zach, you are a proponent of Deep Rock Galactic. Am I right? I have never played it. It's just been a game that I've been curious about. And like it feels like I think it's like maybe 30, 40 bucks, but it's on sale for like 10 bucks on Steam like yeah. every other week, I feel like. So they say it's a good it's game to play I've... with friends. Like if you have yeah. three friends, you can get up a, a, four, a squad of four and go to town. Yeah, I keep wondering if it's something I should pick up and try out because I hear good things about it and it does seem fun. And, but like, I only really want to pick it up if it's something that like maybe you pick up so that we can play it together. But there hasn't really been a good time for that. Well, they're making a Vampire Survivors like of Deep Rock Galactic. Now that I might actually play. And I believe it's called uh. Deep Rock Galactic Survivor. So they're not even like, <laughs> it's not even tongue. In, it's basically just like, hey, this is our version. Yeah. Like we know what we're doing here. But and we know down, that you know what we're doing here. So. It's isometric. Uh, so it's like somewhat 3D. You're mining as well. as So that's like a, a twist on it. You're not just like going around and auto mm. destroying things. You're also mining for stuff, which is interesting to me. Yeah. I'd be very curious to see what their take on it is like. Because it is a very different world from like Vampire Survivors, yeah. obviously. No so release that's... date, but they're just asking people to wishlist it on Steam. But uh, it's interesting. I, I feel like it's uh, you don't often see kind of, I guess, uh, Enter the Gungeon did this when they had that like other game where you were on that elevator. And I guess also uh, Shovel Knight just recently did this with that Shovel Knight dig where they sort of completely flipped the, flipped the script and it's the same world, but it's a totally different type of game. But yeah. I'm for this trend. I like uh, like transitioning into different forms of gameplay. That's like the Steam World games. Yeah, They're, exactly. Like, they they keep that universe going, but they do something completely different with every new release. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about the games that are out this week or came out this last week as we're recording. Uh, first one is Wolong Fallen Dynasty. Have you gotten a chance to watch any of this? Just a little bit. Uh, it seems interesting. And I think uh, I want to say it's being reviewed pretty positively, right? Yeah, it seems like it's pretty well uh, liked so far. I have started it, actually, because it is on Game Pass. And I have not played very much, admittedly. I only played up to the first boss. And I tried that first boss like a handful of times. And I died uh, repeatedly. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I... I'm ready to like really deep dive into this thing just yet. Cause I was also like, I'm also playing a bunch of other stuff. So it was just like uh, one uh, evening I was like, yeah, I should try this just for the sake of it. But mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, I don't know if I will stick with it because it is a uh, sort of Team Ninja's take on Sekiro. Yeah. Uh, so it's very parry based. Um, and, and to be fair, like their window for parries, I, th- I thought was fairly generous. So it was not like one of those things that was like breaking my brain because I felt like I had parried and I had not somehow. So the combat does seem good, but um, obviously I haven't made it far enough in to really get a good grip on it. Um, but yeah, I think people are into it. Uh, the maybe story and dialogue, I'm not so sure, but like just from a gameplay perspective, people are like like that style, obviously. So Destiny. Next up. Yeah. <laughs> is it time to talk about Destiny again? No, I, unfortunately that segment is gone that segment is dead yeah (laughs) i don't know uh did you watch any of this like i i don't follow that dado guy anymore but i like dipped into one of his streams just to take a look at it and i don't know man i think it's time to wrap it up yeah (laughs) i i don't think they are anywhere near like wanting to wrap up uh destiny as a thing like i feel like they're gonna keep it going beyond the initial like planned 10 years but well so this dlc is the beginning of the end as far as the lights versus dark uh which is very stupid uh (laughs) storyline yeah so like not this dlc but i think next uh season or whatever or dlc drop or i don't even know what it's if they have a name for it um i don't think they've revealed what the name is going to be but whatever the next thing is i think is the conclusion to the whole like 10 year experiment or whatever. Um, now here's my question for you. If they wrap that up and it's like, Oh, this is the end of the infinity saga. And they do like chapter two or whatever. And they launch destiny three and they like do something crazy, like new. And it's like a completely new storyline. Will that get you to come back? Oh yeah. I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'll pick it up for sure. I, uh, the best Destiny ever was, was right when it came out. Well, I guess right when it came out, I found it to be very magical because I, I couldn't see the limits of what it could be. So mm-hmm. I was just like, man, this is like so crazy. And then obviously when Taken King came out was also just amazing. Like, man, they are just like delivering on all of these promises. It's like what a different game it was from the first from like, you know, the first three months or whatever. Um but I mean, now it just it has so much to stand on. Like, there's so much lore they have to keep track of, and also I don't think they're super good storytellers. I have to say, like, yeah, they are not 100. <laughs> percent It really turned me off when somebody was giving an interview and they were like, "Oh yeah, we like didn't know what the darkness was when we were writing the first one. It was just kind of just like we'll figure it out later." And that to me is just lazy. Like, uh, it is, yeah, totally. If you're gonna have this ten year experiment, like, put some money into writers. Don't just like come up with on the fly. Yeah. Also, that last DLC for the the first one, where like you go to the plague lands and they introduce that Siva nanotechnology, I found to be not greatly written. I have to say, it had some cool gameplay mechanics, but like that you didn't need to introduce that. So Destiny Two was a series of missteps, I think. And I think if they just like wipe the slate clean i think they've realized they actually need to tell stories now apparently the stories they've been telling in destiny 2 recently have been more interesting i i've not engaged with that i yeah i think they were generally getting to be a little bit more well liked as they were doing like this sort of drip feed of like week to week here's a new chapter and people were getting into it for that reason but i think that this new drop is like a step back uh, from what i've heard 
if they were to wipe all that clean and just be like, here's a new thing, uh, it doesn't even need to be in the Destiny universe. Um, I would probably check that out. Even if it was Destiny 3 or like Destiny World or Destiny Infinite or whatever they want to call it. If mm-hmm. I don't think here's something I, I came to a revelation. Vaults should not exist. I don't know <laughs> why they exist, and I think it's bad gameplay. Um, they got rid of it kind of by just being like, oh yeah, you can rebuy exotics if you want to, or rebuy seasonal guns, but it it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh it it's just this like unnecessary limitation that I think used to be interesting, but now it's just like, I don't know. I don't like know. it should just all be in your inventory at exactly. once. Exactly. If you get something, it's just there. You don't have to pay to get it again. Um, you don't have to go back to the tower to get it. <laughs> yeah. I, in I between know. things. There's been a, I, there's a lot of things that I think they're locked into because they're in that world where I'm just like I'm over it. Uh, so I, I I would be into them pressing the reset button. I would be into them doing that World of Warcraft thing where they were like, hey, guess what? Here's Destiny One. You can go play Destiny 1 again. Remember how they did that, like, return to the first yeah. iteration of World of Warcraft? I think that would be fun, and I would I would jump into that. But Well, so this is a thing I was actually thinking about, like, separate to this release, where just, like, from a game's preservation standpoint, I feel like if you're going to do this, it should be, like, an unwritten rule where if you're going to make a game that's, like, an online game-of-service type of a thing, you should have to do, like, your your final wave should be the finalization of the game where basically you make it so that there's like a big update where they're like okay you can now just like we're, we're sort of turning off the servers but we're like putting a cap on this where you can actually go play through the entire story mm. and so the game still exists and you can still like revisit it like five ten years from now if you wanted to but it just won't have like the week to week like online game of service stuff uh i don't know how you do that with a game like destiny especially since they've sort of sunset different content pieces of content but like i feel like going forward if there was like a an unwritten rule where if you were gonna start something like this you had to keep it in the back of your mind that like your last year of content needs to be like putting a sort of a finalization on it where the game can still exist mm-hmm. and people can still play through the story and maybe even have like some degree of like um procedurally generated like week to week progression system mm-hmm. so that if you did want to go back and play through this for whatever reason you could do that and it wouldn't just be like this game ceased to exist like remember when destiny was a thing and now it's just like it never existed yeah um I feel like that should be a thing that they should have to do. But again, I don't know how you go about it. And I'm sure that that would be very expensive and difficult to do. But Supposedly Bungie is working on another IP that we haven't heard anything about. And who knows if it's a live service game or if they are trying something different. But I don't know. I have always been chasing that high of when Destiny first released. And it was just like I I couldn't conceive of it because that nothing like that had really ever existed before. And I was like, how far could this go? I was like exploring the moon and being like, man, this is so cool. What am I going to find? What unique emergent gameplay experiences am I going to have? Uh, and now it's just like kind of the the curtain's been pulled back and it seems like it's all just dumb to me. Uh, yeah, the stories are I, dumb think it, I think what you need is for the story to like carry you forward yeah, from I there. Agree. And they've never been able to do that because they're just 
it's true. not been good storytellers when it comes down to it. So, um, I mean, I'm going to maybe watch when the next DLC or whatever they're calling it these days comes out. That's like the conclusion of the light versus dark uh, story or what the saga or whatever light versus dark saga. I maybe will watch like the last couple of cutscenes of that, but uh, I don't think I'm going to like ever dive back in, I would say. I was going to say, you'll you'll need uh, like those lore videos yeah, really. on YouTube to watch like a two hour long video that like explains everything that happened. I mean, I, I wouldn't hate to know like what the traveler is or like if there's anything crazy inside of it or like what's what's the deal, basically. So like, I that's don't think something they know. <laughs> they don't. That's a real bummer because I think you're right. Uh, but I guess I'll I want to see what uh, whatever narrative thing they write in the next like two weeks that they push out. So. You know what it is? It's Star Wars all over again. Like, yeah. how do you decide you're going to do a trilogy or in this case, a 10 year long adventure? Yeah. And you haven't mapped it out from the very beginning. Insane. Like, or, or at least like given it an outline. So you have an idea of where you're going and yeah. they just didn't do it there. They came up with the darkness, which is the most generic thing yeah. you could possibly do. And as far as this particular DLC goes, like people don't even like the play, the new play space because it like from the trailers and the previews, it seemed like it was going to be this very vertical thing. Mm -hmm. And instead, it does not feel like that at all, supposedly. Also, like you get a grappling hook, which is cool. But the like little preview article I was reading was like, yeah, the grappling hook is cool when you're not waiting for the cooldown because it takes like a minute and a half to recharge which just is dumb to me. Like, why would you do that to your players to like have this cool new thing? But then you have to like wait for the cooldown, so you can't just like swing around all you want. That's just like I don't know. It seems like there's way too many teams trying to accomplish something, and they're not communicating with each other. And so yeah. every release is just this like garbled mess. I watched um, that Kyle Bossman has a YouTube channel where he does a show called Delayed Input, mm-hmm. and it's very funny. But he like had a video this last week where he talked about destiny and he was like, it is $50. Yeah. Uh, not for like a special edition version of it. Like for the base thing, it is yeah. $50 and you look online and it like a day later, it was like destiny fans don't even like this one. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like, why? I don't know. It, it is. It's strange, especially since, like, I feel like they had maybe gained some goodwill with, like, the Witch Queen last year. Like, people actually liked it. And this seems like, even though it seemed really cool, it was, like, a major step down from that. But I don't know. Uh, Do we need to make any revisions to our Game of the Year watch slash top ten builder? We do. Oh, my God. I think. I like I'm not very far into Metro Prime Remaster. We can talk more about that, but for sure I would move it up above Hi-Fi Rush. Let's do it. Just based on the little bit I've played. So what we've got now is number one, Fire Emblem Engage, number two, Dead Space Remake, number three, Wild Hearts, number four, Metroid Prime, and then number five. I should do this in reverse, actually. It's more interesting if number one is the last thing. But number five is Hi-Fi Rush. (laughs) Um yeah, so I put like 60 plus hours into Fire Emblem Engage and uh, liked it, but thought the story was dumb and like 
half the characters were good and half of them were annoying. So I, I'm open to moving that down, uh, especially like uh, the more I play of Wild Hearts and Metroid Prime Remastered. Um, it, it's a weird thing because normally I would say a remaster for a game shouldn't be on a list like this because mm-hmm. it's like a game. It's like I love Mass Effect, but I didn't put the Legendary Edition on my top 10 list that year because it was like these are games from like 2007 to 2012. They were up for game of the year the year they came out. Just because they re-released it, does it mean it is the best game of 2020, whatever year that was that that came out? So it's like a weird thing for me, but like I also haven't played Metroid Prime Remastered or Metroid Prime before. So it's like it is a new experience to me. So it's just like where do I fall on that one? Like, does yeah. that deserve? Um, it is maybe one of those things that that is fair to put on like the bottom half of the list. Maybe I, I'm trying to figure out like the best way to go about it. Because Dead Space remake, you could make the exact same case. True, but they've they've done a little bit more work on that one where they've like. Well, I mean, have um, you seen the side by like there have been side by sides of Metroid Prime Remastered, and they definitely did like it's not just yeah. an upscale. Like they've increased yeah. the fidelity and like added polygons basically to stuff. Yeah, and that's fair too. It's a little bit like where, like Dead Space remake was built from the ground up. Uh, for modern consoles and they like reworked different segments of the game as well which i don't know if that's the case for metroid prime remastered but yeah i mean i i'm trying to figure out how i feel about remasters and remakes uh being on a top 10 but maybe they do deserve that and i should just stop being such a stickler and just kind (laughs) of go with it but um yeah we'll figure out where we feel about that and i i have played so much wild hearts and i'm very into that the question still remains i think to me like the long tail like what kind of long tail is it going to have like once i get into the end game i i am at the final boss of this story for that game i believe uh and my my pain point for wild hearts is that they have a terrible system for trying to get like other players to assist you with story fights like doing the like doing co-op for other hunts is totally fine no problem but like in the game like i got stuck on golden tempest which is like basically a giant saber-tooth uh tiger um and it was a very tough fight i had failed it a couple of times and the game will let you um you you sort of search for the target monster that you're hunting and then you can pull up the map and you can like hover over it and it'll be like a request assistance for this hunt. And you're like, yes. And I would do that, but like no one would ever join my game. And I was like trying to figure <laughs> out what was going on with it. And it turns out the assistance like for story fights is like only happens when you are like in a zone and there are these little like Tory gates that you interact with. And you interact with it and it'll give you like a list of like story hunts that people are on and asking for assistance for. And so Mm. you can sort of assist them. But like obviously a player has to choose to do that. One, they have to have already completed that story uh, fight. Two, they have to be just like in a zone and interacting with one of the Tory gates. And three, they're not really incentivized to do that uh, because... 
with a normal hunt at the end of the the hunt you have like 30 seconds to run around and like pick up any like pickups that might have like you might have broken off the the monster during the hunt yeah whereas at the end of a story one you're just instantly kicked out um so you don't have time to do that unless like the the person that you joined is generous enough to just stand around and wait like there's a, there's a moment where like it's very clear that you've defeated the thing but you have to walk up to it and press a button and it'll be like um you know deal the final blow to this monster mm-hmm. and um so if the host is good about like waiting around if they're like noticeably like you cut the tail off and so you want to let your your teammates go um get the parts or whatever but most people just like immediately go deal the final blow and then that will like automatically boot people out so they're not incentivized to do hunts that way because one you have to go into an actual zone to actually get there but also you're instantly kicked from the hunt at the end as opposed to having time to go collect stuff yeah so it's like it's not a good system and you do basically have to go on Reddit or Discord and ask people to help you, which I did to get through that um, that Sabretooth Tiger fight. And now I'm on the final boss. I'm going to have to do it again for this one. Or, I, I mean, obviously, I need to probably spend some time doing some other hunts and, like, upgrading my stuff. But, um, yeah, so, it's like, story-based fight stuff is not good. So once I finish that and I can actually get into the end game where I can just, like, do the more standard way of like doing a hunt and searching for a session i will like that pain point will be completely gone but um but yeah i'm I'm enjoying it i've been using the katana which is the starting weapon and then i switched over for a little while to the bow and i use there's they call it a hand cannon but it's basically you have to bear hug the thing because it's so big so i don't Hmm. know why they call it a hand cannon but um that's a very interesting, fun weapon to use. I think the the bow is very good. I use the bow a lot in Monster Hunter, so when I unlock that, I immediately switch to it. And it has a really crazy, fun play style where, like, um, so you, you do have to use the Karakuri, which is, like, the, the build mechanic, um, to, I mean, I guess you don't have to, but, like, why wouldn't you? Especially since it, it like, ties into different attacks that you can do. Um, and so one of them you can do with the bow is you can like spawn this, uh, glider basically. So you jump and you hit the button and you go into like a glider. So you're sort of flying around. And then, um, when you aim at the monster and pull the trigger, you will like fire sort of a blast into them and it it will deal damage obviously. And then when you land, your bow is like charged up. So otherwise you would have to like stand there and hit the button twice to charge your bow. And then you can like fire this volley of arrows into it. And then you do the glider again and you fire off the, that blast again and it detonates all of the little arrows that you fired into it for like big damage. And then you land and you immediately are charged up for another volley. And so it's like this loop of like a lot of damage very quickly. So the bow is very fun, but I've been, I switched back to the katana, um, because I like katanas in game games, so and that that is also fun and has like a, a fun playstyle. But they have some other like crazy weapons. Well, and I didn't like, realize I was watching a video and I didn't realize the uh, what is it Karakuri? Yeah, I didn't realize that was like 
used so much. Like I had only seen like boxes being built and you jump off of them. But I was watching oh, yeah. a video where like you like summon a big old hammer and like it like yeah. bangs down on the thing, which is crazy to me. Yeah, they're like uh, they're called fusion karakuri, where you basically take in that case, I think it's a spring um, and you put three of them on top of each other and it turns into a giant hammer. And if you have placed it right, it will like hit them and deal a bunch of damage. But it also like you can upgrade it so that it has like an increased ability to like knock the thing down Mm -hmm. for a little bit so that you can deal a bunch of damage. It is a very fun system that I didn't think I would like initially, but like the more I've used it, the more it just becomes second nature and just becomes a part of the fight. Because there's also one that you can like do a fusion uh, Karakuri to like shoot a basically a big harpoon with like a rope on it that like stuns the thing and like holds it in place for a little bit. Yeah, it almost seems like you have like green lantern powers. Yeah, it's I don't know. Uh, I'm bad at with like lore about stuff. Like I'm sure that is described in there how it all works and and everything. But it's string, yeah, can, right? Yeah, because you're you're collecting thread to like regenerate like how much you can use. But um, it, it's very fun. I, I like being able to like you can stack three boxes, and if you do another three boxes, it, it turns into like the shield wall. And if like the monster runs into it, they get like they basically like bang their head on it and they're like stunned for a second and then you can run up and jump off of it and at least with uh with all the weapons i assume but definitely the katana is the one i've been using lately you'll do this like crazy uh slam down with it that does a bunch of damage and it kind of goes into this uh somewhat cinematic uh camera view where it like sort of pans back and your character does this crazy thing where he like whips his sword out and just like slams down with it it's very cool so that's it's been a lot of fun. It's like I don't want to compare it to Elden Ring, but like the concept of like a big difficult monster where you kind of have to learn their patterns and then you have to like look for your windows of opportunity and then you like once you take damage it it does a, a lot of damage to your health bar and so you have to kind of walk away and hit a button to like drink a potion. Like that's all very similar. Um which is why maybe I'm feeling like I don't need another one of these when it comes to Well Long Fallen Dynasty, because I'm already sort of playing something that sort of feels like that style of combat. But um, I, I like the loop of like, join up with a group of people, go hunt a monster, take it down, use its parts to like upgrade your sword and craft some new armor and then take on the next thing. So I don't know. It's appealing to me and it is maybe climbing up the ladder for my uh, top 10 builder. Oh so. man. Yeah, it's, wait, so it, it's not currently on our top 10 builder, is it? Oh no, it is. It's yeah, number it's, three. Yeah, yeah. It's number three. I like, I need to play more of it because I've already finished Fire Emblem and Dead Space. Um, and I like both of those games quite a bit. But I, maybe it's recency bias, but I'm like almost ready to like move it up to number one for well, me. But, but obviously like you're, we're both building this list. So well, we so the to... only thing I've contributed to it is something that you have started and I've gotten farther in. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Metroid Prime Remastered. Yeah, so uh, immediately it looks great. Yeah. I was very impressed by the game visually. And you're right, like, it immediately is like twin stick, or not twin stick, but like dual analog thumbstick support for the, the game now. And it feels great to play. And it's just 
I like a Metroidvania. Yeah. Is the th- is the the overwhelming thing that I felt as I was playing through like the initial like hour or so of the game. I so was how like, far? I just like, like what's that. the last upgrade you got? I have gotten the missile and the morph ball. And now I kind of, I almost need to look up a guide to figure out where I'm supposed to go next. I've had to do that a lot of times, unfortunately, which is the only pitfall of this. Like every once in a while, you'll be walking around and you'll get like an alert that is like, hey, there's some like weird activity going on here. And then it will show you on the the indication. Yeah. And I think that's like, hey, you should go here. But I don't, it's not necessarily directing you to the next story thing. Um, It's directing you or no, I'm sorry. It is directing you, I think, to the next story thing. But to get there. You need to get the upgrades, which I don't think it actually is directing you towards. So, yeah, mm. I've had to look up a lot of guides. But, I mean, the guides are easy. All you have to do is, like, where to go after this upgrade. And then you can read, like, one sentence and know where to go. Um, but I wish there was, like, an in-game way that I could do that, where it's just, like, tell me where the next thing is in, like, a cool way that's not just, like, holding my hand. Yeah, it it almost needs a hint system yeah. where, like, you could pull up the map or, like, your inventory menu and like press a button to receive like a small hint of some sort but i don't know i uh i feel like i've explored every area and i keep running into like you can't access this because you don't have the necessary upgrade and i'm like well i i mean i feel like i've ran out of options now but maybe there's just something i missed that i uh will need a guide to like point out to me but um yeah this i feel like that happens maybe more in the Metroid games for me than other yeah. Metroidvanias for some reason. I'm not sure what it is, but I didn't have uh, too much yeah. trouble in hollow Knight. There was only one time in hollow Knight where I was like, I'm not sure how to proceed. And the reason I couldn't figure it out was because I basically knew what I had to do, but I didn't want to do it because it was so hard. Uh, but once uh, I read the guide that was like, Hey, you have to do this thing to progress. I was like, man, okay, I guess I have to do this. Um, but yeah, Metro, this in Metroid Dread, both time, both of them, I've been like, I, I'm not super sure what it wants me to do. And so I will have to look up guides, but I'm liking it. I just got the, the last upgrade I got was the gravity suit, which allows you to like, m- like move regularly within water. And now I'm making my way back to basically the start of the game, because right at the start of the game, there is a big lake that you basically can't do anything with. So... I'm going that I was direction. Ask, do you unlock like a fast travel system between save points? No, unfortunately. Maybe you do eventually, but uh, I have not yet, which is a real bummer because sometimes I'll think I know where I have to go. This happened at least one time where I'm like, okay, I have to go all the way through these lava caves. And I do that. And then I realize like, oops, no, I have to do this thing first. And I can't just like select to like return to the ship and start fresh. You have to jog all the way back there and it's a little bit of a bummer it's definitely something that i think they should have added if they were going to add stuff that yeah. would probably be my number one thing is a fast system i was going to say fast travel. It, it would have been nice to have had like a couple of quality of life yeah. improvements for like a modern release of the game but but that's my, been my only i think criticism like not being not really knowing where to go next and also having to like not having that way to quickly traverse if i don't want to deal with like the same enemies in the same rooms yeah Um, that is another thing that even in like the short amount of time i've played it's like okay these little things are going to pop out of the ground i'm going to have to shoot them again because they're in my way Uh, it's just like every time i come back this way that's gonna keep happening (laughs) but but uh, overall i'm into it i think 
whatever Metroid Prime 4 is going to be, I think is going to be va- a vast improvement over this. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I just like there. I feel like there are so many lessons to be learned from this. And like people are obviously are very nostalgic for it. But definitely I can see like clear things that could be improved. And especially like even things they've improved in Metroid Dread, I feel like. Uh, where they're like, they eventually you did get a teleporter from like uh, place to place and everything unlocked for you. Like, I don't know. I, uh, I, this has made me very, very excited for Metroid Prime 4 if it ever comes out. Cause I think it's just going to be a great game if this is any telltale sign. Yeah. And I like, I still wonder if they're going to do two and three as well. Oh, I'm sure they are. Well. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, just I was very impressed. I, I like started playing. I was like, I'll probably play a little bit and just like maybe get to the first save point and uh, stop. And I was like, no, I'm gonna keep playing. I, I kind of couldn't put it down for a little while, and I made it uh, through that first little boss, and then it like takes away all of your powers. Yeah. And then I went and explored a bunch more. So I do also I'm into it. It feels really good to play for sure. I wish that it was the the button layout was a little more customizable. Because as it stands, if you want to, you haven't gotten a different, uh, like, beam weapon yet or whatever, or gun. Right. But to change those, you have to, like, hold a button down and then press the D-pad. And then to change your visor, you have to just, like, not hold anything down and mess with the D-pad. And I would get, I'll constantly trip over myself because, like, I'll get into scanning mode. And then I'll try to shoot and it will immediately go back to my gun. I, I want a button that just, like swaps through all of my things so i don't have to press like up and down on the d-pad but other than that yeah that's an easy fix it is it is weird because they have like the a button is fire but also the trigger is fire which is i feel like they could have just mapped a to something else (laughs) yeah but but overall i'm really really liking it and i'm excited to see the conclusion of it yeah i'm gonna have to look up a guide and figure out how to get to the next uh thing but it's that loop of like the metroidvania of like you you go to an area and you can't access this thing but you can go a little further and then you find an upgrade and then as on your way back you're able to now access that room now here's something that i didn't realize and i think would help you maybe you realize this immediately but you know how like you have to bomb jump when you're the uh morph ball you haven't gotten bombs yet probably no not yet but you can just jump as the morph ball in this. If you press like Y or something, you can just jump, which negates the uh, necessity of doing that. Oh, really? And I didn't realize that until I was watching someone else play it. And they were like, yeah, this was something they introduced in like Metroid Prime 2 or 3. And now they've put it into this game. But yeah, it makes because those bomb jumps, I can never get the timing right on. And it, it really improves that. Because I have, like, maybe that's why I'm stuck. Because I found an area, I was like, well, I can morph ball into this. But I'm like, oh, but I don't have that upgrade. So yeah. I just immediately went away without even trying. Yeah, you should be I able to so do that. I was so sure now. I couldn't jump. Maybe I'll have to try that. The other thing that I have been playing slash watching, and you already played this and we talked about it before, but I, I finally played that Sea of Stars demo on Switch. Yeah, we talk, I feel like we talked about this a few weeks ago because yeah. I also played it and I was really into it. I think it's going to be very, very good. I loved it. Yeah, so the the demo is like basically three parts. Like first you're on this like mountain pass and you're kind of just doing random encounters. They're not random though. I mean, you can see the monsters running around. Yeah. And, and then the I thought the coolest part was when you were in the town. There's like a seaside town and there's story elements where like you have to get 
like a ship that's going to take you somewhere and these pirates are going to help you. But I was very surprised by the tone. It's a very funny tone. Uh, and also just like the sprite work in it is so top notch. Like it's beautifully yeah, animated. It, it looks incredible. It looks great. Uh, and then the final part is kind of like a, a difficult zone where you go into this like wizard's keep or something and there's like some platforming puzzles. But yeah, I uh, I loved it. I I think I, I beat most of it in one sitting and then I started playing it again and it took me like maybe 20 more minutes to beat. But uh, yeah, I'm all it about was, it. I was very, very impressed by it. And like just how quickly it like grabbed me and made me want to keep playing it. Like I, I would have definitely sat and played a whole lot more if there was more to the demo. Something, and I don't know if this is just because it's a demo or if it's going to be in the real game, but I really, really liked that people don't stay dead forever because in, in normal games. Yeah, I wondered about that. In normal games, you have to like Phoenix down somebody to bring them back to life. But in this, right. if they can, if you can survive for like two rounds or whatever, they'll just automatically pop back up and have like, you know, 20 health or whatever, which I, I, I really need. Initially, I was like, is this because like they've sort of thrown me into like a, a tough area before I've like in the main game, you would actually have time to grind your characters yeah. up. And in this, you're just kind of like you get what you get because it's a demo and are they just like being generous to me to like make it so that my characters pop back up if like we survive another turn or like what's going on here like is this like an easy mode for the for the demo or is this gonna be how the main game is i'm into it i think that's a great for sure i definitely all of my characters died multiple times while i was fighting that end boss and I, i couldn't have survived otherwise yeah, that definitely happened to me as well. But I feel like there's there's like items that you use to revive characters as well. So like I don't know if like quite what's going on there. Yeah. I haven't like looked into it to like read it or like see if somebody has sort of explained this or not, like the way it is for the demo, but I am I'm like you. I'm de- I definitely needed the help, so I would definitely not be opposed to that just being like a, a core feature of the main game as well. Now, did you play The Messenger, their previous game? I didn't. I heard good things about it. I heard it was good until it got to the Metroidvania part. And then I heard it became a bit of a slog because similar to, I think, uh, Metroid Prime Remastered, what we were talking about, there's a ton of backtracking and there's no fast travel, which I think uh, did not uh, jive with people. But yeah. uh, I think the comedy is very simple. Like, I think it's also very kind of like tongue in cheek and funny as well. Um but it's kind of maybe you want to go check out the messenger. Yeah, I li- I like Metroidvania, so I, that's what I thought. Like the messenger, I've heard good things about, and there is like Metroidvania elements to it. So like I was curious about it, but yeah, for Sea of Stars, like I think it visually is astounding, but also like the soundtrack should be very good. Like yeah. the Chrono Trigger composer like contributed to the soundtrack for it. So yeah, I liked. There's a part where you're on a world map, which by the way, the world map looks awesome. There's like a a, yeah. a sleeping dragon, but there's a part where you can kind of travel around to different locations, and one of the locations is like locked, but you get there's like a a uh, dialogue box that comes up and says like here's the first track by this guy you can just stand here and listen yeah. to it if you want yeah and it was cool <laughs> i thought that was funny but i was like yeah i'm into that yeah. let, like let me do that <laughs> it, was it was pretty great. good uh but yeah so i think i haven't really been playing slash watching anything else i did watch the first episode of the season three of the mandalorian which was good uh but i've it, heard it's disappointing this it's kind third of a season it's a weird mishmash of things they're like setting a bunch of stuff up 
and you by the end of it you kind of know where things are going but it's like i don't know it doesn't really get a good pace going they do have some cool callbacks to stuff but i don't know i think it will progress further and be good but this was not definitely not their strongest opener for a season by far yeah, the the one thing I saw about it was that it was kind of boring because it was mostly table setting. Yes, it was a lot of table setting. But yeah, so the the only things I've played, like I've still been playing Wild Hearts and we talked about Metroid Prime Remastered and I started very briefly with uh, Wolong Fallen Dynasty, but I have also still been watching uh, the Psychonauts uh, documentary, which is very good, very interesting and like the min max guys did a like discussion that I started listening to that and I was like, Oh, they're getting to parts I have not seen yet. <laughs> so I need to stop and go watch more of it. But it's a, uh, I don't know. It's like really interesting to me for some reason. I partially because I've like played through the game and so I'll see stuff and I'll be like, Oh, that's that part in this game. <laughs> I remember that. That was great. But yeah. Do you have any parting wisdom for us as we wrap up? You know, what I've been doing lately is I uh, I like a Caesar salad, I have to say. Um, I, I like Caesar salad quite a bit as well. It's and I good. have realized, like, I sometimes will have, like, stomach aches after I eat, like, very a very heavy meal. But I never really have stomach aches after I eat a salad. And I am just, like, I, I've been on a kick where I'm just trying Caesar salads from a bunch of different restaurants. And it's great to do. And it makes you feel good. Yeah. Caesar salad's great, and I generally speaking, when I go to a restaurant and you order like a side salad, if there's an option for like the regular house salad or a Caesar salad, I will pretty much always pick the Caesar salad. It's a good idea. And so it's, it's great. That's my wisdom: is uh, eat more Caesar salad. I pretty much eat salad all the time. Like <laughs> it's it's sort of based on like my diet and what I can eat for like eating keto safe stuff. I pretty much always just eat salads. Although, you know, great. do you know what my favorite part of the Caesar salad is, Zach? The croutons. That's right. I get double <laughs> croutons wherever I go. I was going to say, I, you do have to eat it without the croutons no. if you're going to eat uh, a keto safe version of it. But. My current favorite one is the one from Noodles and Company. Uh, I just, uh, I really like it. And also, I will sometimes get that Parmesan crusted chicken as well. Although I don't think it needs that. I think it could just be the salad yeah. with, uh, the, they give you a good amount of uh, the seasoning or the dressing or whatever. And I do get the double croutons. So they really pile it have on. You, have you ever had the, the one at Texas Roadhouse? Now that is interesting to me. Actually, I have not. I love the the Caesar salad at Texas Roadhouse. It was mm. one of my favorite parts about uh, eating there. I feel like they do a really good job of like mixing the uh, salad dressing yeah. into the lettuce, so you don't have to do it yourself. So it's very good. I will Plus they have those like strips out. of like Parmesan cheese or whatever it is. That sounds great to very me. Very good. Those like sheets where it's almost like paper. Yeah, they have that, and so yeah, you could. You should definitely try that. That's a better parting wisdom is go to Texas Roadhouse and try their Caesar salad, which I'm going to take that wisdom and do it. You should. It's very good. I think it's going to do it for us. Yeah, go ahead and follow us on uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Starsight Cafe, and uh, leave us a review for, uh, for Starsight Chats on whatever podcast app you use, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.